Here we go. That's it. The money play. This is it. Let's see what the Lions dial up. Two seconds to go. From the Falcon, 11-yard line, down by six. Final play of the game. Stafford empty out of the gun. He's got it back. Looks, looks, pumps one, steps up, looks, throws, and yes! Carr gets yes! down Detroit Lions. TJ Hawkins, yes! did, they did it. They tied it. They're an extra point away from winning this game. Oh, baby, how big is that? Thank you to Dan Miller of the Lions Radio Network. Uh, that was a great game between the Falcons and Lions. And thank you, Todd Gurley, so much for giving us the opportunity to have that spectacular game without you going into the end zone. We never would have got that fantastic Lions comeback. Uh, it was one of my favorite games of the week, and we called it here on the Game Day podcast. I am Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Flying solo this week. It's a little bit different of a setup compared to usual. Uh, we'll have some new surprises for you in the upcoming weeks, but we're going to preview all the action from week eight. Uh, Sean from NFL Picks Watch is going to be joining us in just a little bit. Uh, on the game day, every week, I do a five betting trends that you can follow. That comes out on Tuesday morning. Later in the week, I do some mailbag stuff. There's also some prop bets every single week, so make sure you guys are tuning in to the game day uh, online, on social media, wherever you consume our content. We're going to talk about some of my picks from last week. It's 4-2 against the spread. And listen, one of my best bets was Seattle, minus 3.5. I felt good about that bet all game long. Uh, just unfortunate that Seattle was not able to close that game. Uh, that penalty by Benson Mayowa on the leaping call uh, really changed it around. And it was, it was just a roller coaster of emotions, you know, with DK Metcalf going down the field in overtime. Uh, for those of you that bet Seattle minus three and a half, you thought you won your bet. You saw the flag come out. It's unfortunate. It's a bad beat. Uh, but hey, four and two, not too bad. I want to talk about some of the biggest things that I learned this week. And we're going to start with the NFC. Uh, some really good performances out of the NFC this week with Tampa Bay just absolutely destroying the Las Vegas Raiders. Green Bay bouncing back, beating the Houston Texans. Uh, I want to talk about why these teams are all Super Bowl caliber teams, but all potentially have a fatal flaw. Let's run through the list because I really think there's eight to nine Super Bowl caliber teams in the conference, starting with Seattle. We know they have Russell Wilson, but that defense is atrocious. Green Bay can be really good, but they can be so hot and cold sometimes with that defense. They're so reliant on Aaron Rodgers. Tampa Bay maybe is the most talented team in the league but they're incredibly sloppy, way too many turnovers, way too many penalties. We'll see if that comes back to bite them in the playoffs. And then there's the Los Angeles Rams, who look good some weeks when they're playing the NFC East, uh, not so good some other weeks. I think the quarterback is still a little bit of a problem if you can pressure him. Uh, we'll see how the Rams do. San Francisco has a bunch of injuries, although they're starting to get healthy. Arizona's offensive line is a problem. Their defense isn't great either. So despite their big win here in week seven, uh, I'm not trusting them going forward. New Orleans has problems at wide receiver. Their defense is number 19 in the league. That's quite a drop off from last season. Then you have Chicago who has no quarterback and that's not getting solved anytime soon. And then there's the Philadelphia Eagles who are just atrocious everywhere, but because they're playing in the NFC East, they're very likely to host the playoff game. Uh, so the NFC, the NFC this season, it's a lot of fun. A lot of flawed teams, but this is the deepest conference I can remember. One other trend that I want to talk about or thing that I learned from this week is that not all losses are created equal. If you saw the Pittsburgh-Tennessee game, 
you actually feel pretty good about the Titans coming out of that game. Now, they got down early. Uh, they had to force some turnovers late to come back. But this is a Titans team that really hasn't played in very many of these negative game script types of you know contests. And this is one where they were able to battle back. Brian Tannehill was fantastic in the second half. Their defense started to make plays. And now you can see if they get behind, maybe they're not a one-dimensional team like we saw last year when they played Kansas City or any other team. Uh, they came within a uh, Stephen Gaskowski field goal of winning that game. Ryan Tannehill actually had a pass to Corey Davis late in the fourth quarter uh, in the back of the end zone that if he brings down, they beat the Steelers, in, which would have been the biggest comeback of the week. Just didn't happen. I do feel pretty good about the Titans despite that loss. Uh, and there's also some wins. You know, Tampa Bay beat Las, the Las Vegas Raiders 45-20. Uh, to 20. That game was not a, as big of a blowout as what the score indicates. That was a, you know, one-score game with only four or five minutes left. I think a lot of people are excited about this Tampa Bay team for good reason. I'm not quite sure they're as dominant as what everybody believes despite a 20-point win over the Raiders last week. Uh, let's go over some of the trends heading into week eight. Uh, straight up on the season, home teams are 53-51-1. and uh, That is down from 47-43-1. Last week, we are seeing uh, that home field advantage really isn't the same thing as it we were accustomed to in previous seasons. Uh, you know, without fans, with limited fans, uh, there's just not that home field advantage. So if you see a team that you like on the road, don't be afraid of, of betting a money line road underdog in this one. There's really not that big of a difference. Um, against the spread, home teams 47 and 58, down from 41 to 50 last week. Again, home teams do not have the same typical three, three and a half point advantage that we're seeing in usual years. And then the over and under, uh, over is 53 and 50. That's down from 47 to 43 last week. We're starting to see Vegas correct themselves a little bit, like we predicted last week on this podcast. Uh, early on in the season, the overs were absolutely crushing. But as defenses start to get used to you know, the speed of the offense, they start to, to creep up and get a little better uh, in the, these middle months of the NFL season. The unders are becoming a solid bet. You probably have two or three more weeks of odds makers overcorrecting here or undercorrecting in some cases before we start to see those overhit again. So don't be afraid of picking the under for the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's look at some updated Super Bowl and MVP odds. I want to start uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. They are still the favorites in the NFL to win the Super Bowl. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, uh, all all right next to them, Baltimore is at plus 500. Pittsburgh has jumped up to plus 800 after being 1,100 last week. I really like the Pittsburgh Steelers to potentially win the Super Bowl this year. They might be the NFL's most balanced team, but we're going to get to them in a second. Tennessee actually saw the biggest uh, uh, biggest decrease. They were you know, somewhere between uh, 800 to 900 last week. They have now moved to plus uh, 2,000. Uh, 20 to one underdogs to win the Super Bowl. As I mentioned before, this is a team that showed me a lot in that loss. I don't think if they play Pittsburgh in the playoffs, even if it is in Heinz Field, I don't think Tennessee is going to be afraid of playing anybody in that conference. We've already seen them beat Baltimore. We've seen them play some really good games against Kansas City. They probably should have beat Pittsburgh last week. Don't be afraid to jump on Tennessee at 20 to one to win the Super Bowl. And then there's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were at 12 to one last week. 
They're back up to uh, eight to one plus 800. Again, the NFC is incredibly deep and that might be the most well-rounded team, but they have flaws. Uh, Tom Brady is up and down. You can see his arm kind of start dying mid game as we get into the third and fourth quarters. Uh, we'll see how the Antonio Brown addition uh, helps them or potentially hurts them. Uh, they can be exposed a little bit on defense if you pass a lot against them. Uh, they're a team to monitor over the next couple of weeks. Let's jump into MVP odds. Russell Wilson, after a poor performance in week seven, three interceptions and a loss on Sunday night football, he saw his odds drop from minus 140 to minus 110. He's still the clear-cut favorite. He's probably still the favorite in the Seattle Seahawks to be the number one seed in the conference. He's going to put up some great numbers. I think you have to consider him the favorite. I still really like Aaron Rodgers at plus 400 to win the award. One bad game against Tampa Bay isn't going to kill his odds. not going to make or break him. Uh, we saw his potential against the Texans last week throwing for four touchdowns. I think this week against the Minnesota Vikings, he's in for a monster day. And if they win that game in convincing fashion, don't be surprised if those odds move up to plus 300, plus 350, if not a little bit better. Uh, also, our guy Derrick Henry was at 40-1 to 1 last week to win the MVP. Those odds decreased quite a bit after not only the Tennessee Titans lost, but he was held to 75 rushing yards. Uh, we hypothesized on the last podcast that for Henry to even be in the conversation to win the award, He's probably going to need to rush for 2,000 yards and approach 20 touchdowns. I still think he's going to lead the league in rushing. It would not be surprising if he leads the league in rushing touchdowns as well. But I don't envision him getting to that 22, 2,300 total yard category that he would need to get to in order to win the award. Other guy I want to talk about, Tom Brady, plus 1,200. Uh, he played well against the Raiders last week. I don't think he's a good bet right now. I think a lot of uh, fans are betting that right now, and I think his odds are just a little bit too high for me to, to be interested in that right now. But uh, again, if Tampa Bay ends up winning their division, they become the number one seed. They finish at 13-3, and 12-4. Maybe, maybe the MVP voters won't be so you know, willing to look at the, the numbers, and they'll think about the impact that he brought on this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team taking them from an 8-8 eight and eight team to, you know, arguably one of the best teams in the NFC. Maybe they'll bypass the stats a little bit and just look at the overall impact that he's brought to this offense. All right, we've got a fun little debate that I want to talk about right now. The Pittsburgh Steelers are currently at 6-0. They are the only undefeated team in the NFL. Their current odds to go undefeated are plus 2,000, 20-1. Uh, compare that to the New York Jets to stay defeated, to go winless all season long at plus 265. I actually think the Steelers are a pretty good bet to go undefeated this year. You look at their schedule coming up, and obviously they've got a tough game this week against the Ravens. Uh, but if they can get past that, their schedule really opens up. They play uh, games against the Cowboys, Bengals, Jaguars, uh, Washington, another game against Cleveland. Uh, the only other playoff team from last year, uh, they'll play is the Buffalo Bills on top of the Baltimore Ravens uh, later in the season. So a pretty soft schedule with some pretty weak quarterbacks coming up. If they can find a way to win in Baltimore, I think that's on the table. And I think you're going to see those odds shoot up. As for the Jets, man, it's just so hard to go winless in the NFL. And I know their schedule is pretty brutal as well. They've obviously played the Kansas City Chiefs this week. 
Uh, but they do have some games against some lesser teams coming up with the Chargers and the Dolphins and maybe the Raiders later on in the season. Uh, I just think eventually they're going to get a win here. Uh, and the odds just aren't quite good enough for me to bet on this here. Uh, but I want to bring in Sean from NFL Pick Watch to weigh in on this debate. Sean, what do you think is the better bet here, the Steelers to go undefeated or the Jets to stay defeated? Uh, 100% on the Jets to go <laughs> really? 0 16. Absolutely. No doubt about it. They've got a horrible schedule. They are scoring 12.1 points a, uh, a game. They're just not the kind of team that's going to beat any of these teams. They won't beat the Raiders. They won't beat the Dolphins. Those are two good teams. And the masquerading is kind of the old, you know, your, your older brother's Raiders and your older brother's Dolphins. Now they're, they're pretty good. The Dolphins are, are about 14th in passing yards, and that's with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I don't see them um, regressing particularly badly with Tua. Um, but I think if you look at the Steelers, it's going to be really difficult for them to maintain a winning season. Going 16 to no, I mean, how many times has that happened? I mean, it, that in itself is something that just very rarely happens. Well, actually, we can look at 0 16. I mean, the Lions, the Browns, the Browns nearly did twice. <laughs> it's fair. I, I just think Pittsburgh is such an incredibly well rounded team where teams are going to have a hard time scoring 20 or more points on them, especially some of these bad non playoff teams, right? The Cowboys, Jaguars, right. Washington. Uh, those teams are really going to struggle. And if they can beat Baltimore and the next couple games, you know, Buffalo at home and then, you know, Baltimore get at home, it doesn't seem all that unlikely to me. And I, I guess I like the, the, the odds of the payout to me is better on that one than the Jets at plus 265. True. Now that's a good point. I think that the, the odds on that Steelers bet, they're probably quite good. But when I look at the Jets, I just ask which game is it that they're going to win? And I'm not sure I see one. Maybe maybe the best chance they have is the, the Patriots in the last game of the season where we might get the Patriots playing somebody like Jarrett Stidham the entire game or the Patriots might be in complete tank mode, you know, mm -hmm. because they've never been in this position for, what, 20 years now where they've actually got a draft pick to play for or not play for. I think that's probably the only chance they have. I, I think the other teams, you know, you look at the Chargers, for example. This is a great example. Justin Herbert really wants to win. Mm -hmm. He wants to win because he hasn't won yet. Or, well, he's only won one game so far this season. This is a guy who, you know, you can't really disincentivize him from winning. Every game, it's a bit like Joe Burrow. He goes into it and, you know, even when the veterans are starting to give up because they've been in this situation before and they know that they're going to lose the game. Joe, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, these are players who are going out still trying to get those garbage time yards and points. And I think it just all adds up to, you know, people who are going to play the Jets really hard. And really, actually, if you look at those teams, they're probably going to target the Jets as a really must-win kind of thing for their season. Yeah, I agree. I've got one more question here for you, Sean, before we move on. Hypothetically, if Pittsburgh beats Baltimore in Baltimore this week, what do you expect that line to look like for Pittsburgh to, to go undefeated all season long? Again, it's at plus 2,000 right now. Does that creep up to plus 1,500? What, what do you expect? Yeah, I mean, if you look at their schedule, that is the big one. That is arguably the game. And I actually, well, we'll touch on it later on, but I actually think they've got a good chance of winning uh, this this game. I do wonder whether there is a banana skin in there for them, though, as well. One of the weird things is that while the Jets might look at Week 17 as a game that they can probably win, the Steelers will be probably at that point looking at Week 17 as a game they don't have to win. And that's mm -hmm. against the Browns. 
could you not conceive, Marcus, in your mind, the Browns needing to win in Week 17 to get into the playoffs as the wild card team? You know, the last, the seventh team this year in the AFC behind the Steelers, behind the Ravens. I, I could see that being a, a situation that arises. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because if Pittsburgh gets to 15-0 and it's Cleveland that they have to beat, yeah. and if Cleveland's playing for a playoff spot, my gut tells me that Mike Tomlin's going to want to make sure Cleveland doesn't get into playoffs after what happened last year with uh, Miles Garrett. I just I, Those two teams don't like each other. I don't think they're going to roll over. I think a perfect example is what we saw last year between Baltimore and Pittsburgh in Week 17. Pittsburgh needed to win that game to get in the playoffs. Baltimore had nothing to play for. They already had the number one seed wrapped up. But what did Baltimore go out there and do? They absolutely dominated Pittsburgh because it's still the Steelers. They still want to win that AFC North game. If it comes down to that last game in week 17, I expect Pittsburgh to play absolutely hard and for them to still beat the Cleveland Browns. Um, Sean, let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about week seven. Uh, Tell us some of the trends and how the experts did last week. Well, week seven was a really good week for the experts, mainly because a lot of the favorites won. So there were only four underdogs that actually won in week seven. Now, usually that's a little bit higher, but the main thing is that even the underdogs who won, they weren't massive underdogs. So, you know, we had people like the Lions winning. Now that's kind of foreseeable. It wasn't overwhelming. The only really big underdog that lost the Cardinal, uh, the Seahawks to the Cardinals. So that was a huge one. Um, and that knocked out 85% of people's perfect slates. Um, mm. Up until that point, there were an awful lot of people going, uh, well, at that point, 14-0. and 0, um, And that was the one that really mattered. So the best record for all the experts was 13-1. and 1. Um, And in fact, probably a better indication of how easy it was to pick games last week. Only six experts were under seven wins straight up. When we talk about against the spread, the best expert was still 13-1 and 1 because we'll often find that somebody will separate themselves from the pack and have what we would class as a lucky week. 93% of picks, right? That's pretty good. Um, the best record over the season so far, 63.1%. And that's picking every game. So that's pretty, pretty hot. Yeah, I know. Doing, Marcus? Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I know Seattle just killed me last week in every money line parlay, every, every spread that I had. I had them in a couple of teasers. Now uh, I ended up doing okay in the teasers, but still it was, it was just a brutal, brutal week uh, if you had Seattle. And again, I apologize for all those people out there that followed our advice last week. But hey, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I feel good about that bet. I, I still feel okay. I, Seattle should have won that game. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to the teams that are making us money. And Sean, I think I already know your answer because I've been doing this all season long before even thinking about it. Um, listen, I'm a, I'm a guy that lives by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I live here in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, and I'm a diehard Cowboy fan. So obviously I'm not a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So I bet, I, I bet basically Pittsburgh to win every week because that way I'm happy either way. It's just one of those things that you do as an irrational fan, right? You always want to have some money on the teams you hate, so that way you feel good on a Monday morning. How has Pittsburgh done for people betting on them this season? Pittsburgh are the best in the league at the moment. If you bet $50 on the Steelers straight up and against the spread, you would actually be up $338 on the season so far. That is the best across every team if you class straight up and against the spread together. Um, One team that's sneaking up, though, Marcus, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Cincinnati. So the Bengals, Mm. they're coming up a little bit. They've only got one 
against the spread loss all season long. I mean, I know they had the 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 tie, but that still actually won them the the ATS um, prop. So yeah, they're they're plus six this week against the Titans as well. I mean, that's a little bit of a you know again. I think the Bengals are slightly underrated in terms of how many points they can score in a game, and consistently they're facing spreads of six, seven points every week. They're actually a lot better than that. I, I think that you know they're pretty much a four or five point team. I think rather than a six or seven point team. You know which team has been killing me money wise this year is the Dallas Cowboys. Zero and seven against the spread. The only team this year that has failed to cover. Uh, I just wonder when odds makers are going to catch up to this. Like how big do these lines have to be uh, in order for Dallas to cover a spread? Because we saw them get blown out by Arizona uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, they only scored three points against Washington. Sean, how long before before odds makers catch up? Well, they don't need to because the public love Dallas. So that's true. Good point. You don't need to catch up to it before the public do, and that's I guess the, the whole art of it. Um, I guess that the way that they'll look at it is that Dallas, you know, if you stick them at plus seven and a half as they are against the Eagles, or they were. Um, people will probably still jump on that. They'll probably think, you know what, it's the Cowboys. Even though they've got, you know, Danucci at quarterback, they, they don't seem to have, I mean, I don't even know. We've got Garrett Gilbert as the fourth string quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that's what they could be down to by the end of the game on, on Sunday. So I really think that they'll just keep on giving you kind of maybe 12, 13 points eventually. But yeah, the Cowboys are a, a mess and, they're not going to start scoring any more points. That's the weirdest part about it. I think they've scored 10 points and three points over the last couple of weeks. So all of a sudden that line should really be getting up towards the twenties. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. I really, really <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, you know, the thing is, I think people are seeing those seven and a half point spreads and what, I mean, at least people that I know have been doing is they've been teasing them, right? Put a six and a half point teaser, tease that up to 13, 14 points. Mm. And Dallas should be able to cover that, right? Even with a backup quarterback, they're not that bad, right? And every week, they're letting you down, right? So uh, avoid the Cowboys or bet against the Cowboys. Please, please, please. We want you guys to make money. Uh, Take the Eagles this week at minus seven and a half. All right, Sean, make me smarter. Give me some, uh, some trends that I need to know heading into this week. Well, the biggest trend I want to talk about is less of a trend in terms of the season and more of a trend overall in terms of historical data. So I want to talk a little bit about thinking about the the waves of a season, the pathway that we take every year. Underdogs start really good, and then over the course of the season, they're going to drift away. And actually, this week is one of the lowest on average over the last seven years for underdog wins. Week seven averages only 2.7 underdog wins over the last seven years. Compare that to week two, six and a half. So there's a huge disparity in when upsets happen. And so one of the things that I like to talk about when we do upset watch is not only when you should be picking an underdog, but when in the season you should be picking underdogs. Pick more underdogs at the start, but when we get to week eight, maybe ease off a little bit because the historical trend and it's in- remarkably consistent. There hasn't been more than three underdog victories since 2014. So that's an incredibly weird thing to happen. But it, it makes sense if you think about it. Because so do, you think, do you think this is the week that we should start you know, coming off some of these underdogs, the four, five, six-point underdogs? Is, is week eight the week to do that? Yeah, I think so. And I think if you think about the reasons for that, why is it happening? Well, Let's be honest, a lot of teams are out of it now. I mean, they really are out. And 
I guess we always talk about teams in weeks four and five. You know, even if you're one and four, if you make it to two and four, there's just that glimmer of hope. If you make it to three and four, yeah, you know, there's, there's always that. When you're two games behind, you can always do it. But you've got teams now like the Falcons who tonight go in and they're going to be one and five, uh, sort of one and six. They're going to be really struggling for motivation. And I think that's the biggest difference. That's the thing that changes. Um, I think the other thing that really changes is that Vegas figures people out. You know, mm. they, figure, they figure out who are the real bad teams and who are, the, who are the kind of teams that maybe people have been sleeping on a little bit. You'll know yourself every year we go into a season and we've got our dark horses and we never want to come off the dark horses, right? We, we think, oh, this team's going to, this, this year, this is their year. And we can't handle the idea that it's not their year. So we keep, keep betting on them. And eventually when we have to accept defeat, that's when things change. Um, but as I said before, you know, if you're, the, if you're the, the bookmaker, you don't need to change the odds if people keep betting on it. Yeah, that's the Denver Broncos for me for like the last three or four years. Every year, I think they're going to be the team to upset the Chiefs in the division, and it never happens. I also think that, you know, odds makers are starting to figure out which teams have the really bad quarterbacks. And it also doesn't help that we have a lot of injuries, right? So we might be getting a Jake Lutton from Oregon State starting uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. A Ben DiNucci, a, a James Madison seventh-round pick is starting uh, so as we get further in the season and those injuries start to mount up, not just at quarterback, but other positions or other teams that have been just, you know, devastated by injuries, it makes these upsets just far more unlikely. Hmm. All right, uh, Sean, let's talk about some upsets this week. I think there's a few interesting upset teams this week. Uh, give us three teams that could be upset here in week eight. Well, it really is only three that I'm going to pick. Um, like I said, this is the week to maybe ease up a little bit, but there are three really good picks if you really like them. Um, something I always talk about, when that spread is low, that's when a team is really ripe for an upset. Mm. That actually really does matter. Uh, that kind of signifies the two teams are even enough. Um, the first team I'm going to talk about, New England. New England, for me, are a really big upset pick this week. I think people are going to sleep on them. Nobody likes them. At this point, nobody likes what the Patriots Well, why should you? Why should you like them? What have they done to, to, to make you like them at this point in the season? If you put the Jacksonville Jaguars' name on the New England Patriots, everyone would be saying they were the 27th worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. Right. I 100% agree. That's a good call. So the, at the minute, the one thing I would say is, though, don't sleep on them against the Bills. Of all of the teams, there's just that little bit of dynamic there, not only the divisional thing, but actually how the teams are set up. So the Bills in particular, they're very heavily reliant on the pass offense. The Patriots are a great pass defense. They've been let down a little bit recently by the fact that they've had to be on the field a lot. But I actually think against the Bills, they've got a good chance. And also they run the ball a lot and the Bills defense mm-hmm. is awful. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that game in just a second. So, Because I've got some, some pot takes about that one, Sean. So <laughs> let's go ahead and move on. What, give me another team that's on upset watch this week. So Las Vegas, because Vegas always wins even when they're losing. Um, they're an all-round good team. I think that despite a sort of, um, you know, the way that they lost on Sunday, I think that they've actually been pretty good. Um, and I think the Browns, they are an, <laughs> they're a really difficult team to pick at the moment. Mm. This is a team that's given up 30 points to the Bengals twice. So and I think if you look back at the way the Raiders have played this season – it's when people start to sleep on them that that's when they get good. I think they're 
probably around about the 10th to 12th best team in the league at the moment. In a, in a season where I think the drop-off between the very good teams and the rest of the league is huge. I think you have this sort of top five or six teams, maybe ending at the Titans, where everyone after them, you could make a case, could easily be anywhere from 7th to 15th. And I think both of these teams fit in there. Uh, I really like the Raiders this week. I think they've got a really good chance. Um, yeah, these are two of the best offensive lines in all of the NFL. We could potentially see the Raiders getting some of their pieces back, including Trent Brown. Uh, you know, the Raiders just had a weird week last week. None of their offensive linemen pe- practiced because of COVID-19 reasons. They were all out until Sunday morning. Uh, they actually hung around in that Tampa Bay game for, you know, 54, 55 minutes. So, again, that score wasn't, you know, the final score wasn't indicative of how close that game was. So, that's an interesting call. We're going to come back in that Raiders game in just a second. Give me one more team on upset watch this week. It's the big one. It's Pittsburgh. I am I am taking Pittsburgh. Um, I like the, the Steelers. I think we, we talked about it before. They are probably all around one of, if not the best team in the league. I mean, they're right up there. There is not a defense like the Steelers. Maybe the Bucs. Maybe. But Maybe. I don't think there's anything quite like the Steelers. They're, they're pretty good. Um the Ravens have also a strong defense, but I just think that the way that Pittsburgh are, these teams are really similar. They run first, they've got strong defense, but there's just one outlier, and that is that the Steelers can throw the ball when they need to, mm. and the Ravens cannot. Yeah, I want to I wanna talk about that game because that's one of my uh, best picks for the week. And Sean, you don't mind sticking around talking about my uh, best bets of the week, do you? No, of course not. All right, let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's stay with that Pittsburgh-Baltimore game because that's really the premier game of this weekend. Uh, Baltimore is three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, we're, we've got a spread or an over-under at 46-and-a-half. Um, I like Pittsburgh to not only cover, but to also win in this game. I just think it's insane that Pittsburgh is getting three-and-a-half points. You know, we, they're the best team in the league. Uh, we've seen – I mean, how many times, Sean, have we seen this game over the last decade – come down to the final possession, come down to the final play on a field goal. I, I just don't see any way that this game isn't a field goal or less. And for that reason, I'm taking Pittsburgh. And actually, one of my favorite bets of the week is taking the Pittsburgh money line. I love the value here. Uh, what do other bettors think about this one? Yeah, uh, well, first off, I agree. And I am taking the Steelers on the money line as well. Um, actually, if you look at it, the fans and the experts are both united in taking the Steelers. So this is a really interesting dynamic that we've got here, but against the spread, the Steelers in particular, 70-30 in favor of the Steelers. What does make me a little bit nervous here is Baltimore has won 17 of their last 19 games. Uh, their only loss is coming, you know, against Kansas City earlier this year and then Tennessee in the playoff game. So they're a really good team. But if you go back and you watch Lamar Jackson's first game and his only game ever against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, he did not play well, and that was a game in which Mason Rudolph started. Uh, Duck Hodges actually finished after Mason Rudolph was knocked out with a concussion. Uh, Pittsburgh, I'm, I really think they're going to have a, you know, a plan to stop Lamar Jackson. They're going to keep this game where Baltimore is only scoring 20, 21 points. I like Pittsburgh a lot in this game to win and cover. I probably wouldn't touch the, the total there. I think I might like the under there if you force me to pick. Uh, but it's just not one that I feel really comfortable with. Let's go ahead and move on to New England-Buffalo. Uh, we talked about that game earlier. Buffalo is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And, uh, Sean, I don't know, when's the last time the Bills have been favored in 
you know, against the Patriots. It's got to be like during the, the Matt Castle season in 2009, right? Or 2008. That's got to be the last time, right? I actually don't think it is. I, I think, don't quote me on this, I think it's 2016, which is really strange, but I actually looked this up a couple of weeks ago for something completely irrelevant. Was it a non-Tom Brady game? It was not a non-Tom Brady game. Really? Okay, I'm shocked now. Yeah, now and now I'm starting to think that it might have been the, the one of the first four of the season that Tom Brady didn't play. But mm. I'm pretty sure this was a mid-season game, and somehow the, the Bills just ended up being favored, and of course lost. So yeah, uh, of course, you know, some things so, don't change. So how are betters uh, approaching this game? Are they buying into Buffalo being maybe the fourth or fifth best team in the the conference, or do people still back the Patriots? No, they're they're really on the Bills and. Uh, they're on the, to the tune of 77% of the public are on the bills. But if you're looking at the experts, maybe a little bit more of a considered approach, 52% of experts are on the bills. So there's a lot of disagreement there. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones where, you know, New England has now won five uh, straight games in Buffalo. They just don't lose there very often. Uh, maybe there was some gamesmanship a little bit by Bill Belichick last week, knowing that you know, the, the San Francisco game doesn't mean as much as this Buffalo game does coming up. Uh, I think this is the kitchen sink game for Belichick and the Patriots. I just don't think they have a ton of talent, Sean. I, I think Buffalo is the better team, and I'm picking here, them here to win and cover that three-and-a-half point spread. Let's go ahead and move on to that Browns-Raiders uh, game. This game is in Cleveland. Uh, you know, this, again, two of the better offensive lines in the league, maybe two of the teams with a little bit more variance than, tip- than other teams. Uh, you know, when they're on, they're on, and they're really hard to beat. Um, but we can see, you know, them getting blown out in just about any game. Uh, how are experts and how are the fans betting on this one? So against the spread, both the experts and the fans are taking the Raiders. So at the moment, there's a bit of a consensus building for the Raiders. Um, however, if you're betting straight up, it is for the Browns at the moment. So it pretty much reverses. The Raiders are 54% favored by experts and 66% favored by the fans against the spread. Reverse that, and it's 57% favored for the Browns straight up and 54% favored by the fans for the Browns straight up. So really, it's just that converse opinion. I think everyone thinks this is going to be a tight one, and maybe plus two and a half is just enough to make you think, yeah, all right, we can get this. Yeah, I like the the Browns to win this game and cover. Uh, one of the biggest weaknesses with this Raiders team is their linebackers. They signed Corey Littleton this offseason. Uh, he's been really bad. They don't have a lot of interior presence with a Malik Collins signing that has not worked out. Uh, Jonathan Hankins has been fine. Uh, you know, Maurice Terse is coming back from COVID-19. So I expect Cleveland to really be able to run the ball in this one. That should set up the play action here. Uh, I expect them to, to score a ton of points. Now, the Raiders have been better on offense this season uh, than in previous years. I think this is the best we've seen Derek Carr play maybe ever in his career, and they're getting some weapons back on offense. Henry Ruggs is 100% healthy. So I do think they're going to stay in this game. I just don't know how they're going to be able to stop this Cleveland rushing attack. Cleveland has also been very good at home lately, 7-1 and one in their last eight games at home uh, straight up. I don't expect them to lose here. I, I expect the Browns to come away victorious and improve to six and two, and really, you know, potentially grab one of those wild card spots. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's going to win the division. Baltimore, Cleveland, uh, grabbing two of the three wild card spots in the AFC. Let's move on to one of the better games of the week: the 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks. 
Uh, this is a game in the last couple of years that has been just fantastic. Uh, week 17 on Sunday Night Football last year, this game came down to just one tiny inch, and it was the difference in uh, the Seahawks having to play on Wild Card Weekend versus you know having a first round bye. How is the public and how are the experts betting this one? So both united in favor of the Seahawks. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about this one because this one nearly made it into upset watch. This was mm. one I was very close to, but I think that the way that these two teams are set up, it really favors, bearing in mind that Seattle have, as far as I'm aware, no running backs this week. And this, the 49ers are really hurting in that area. The 49ers really need a running game and the Seahawks don't. And the Seahawks mm. throughout the season have relied heavily on the pass. In essence, this really, really favors this matchup, the Seahawks, with the current injury crisis that both teams are facing. But yeah, the experts, 70% in favor of the Seahawks, the fans, 67%. Yeah, I like Seattle in this game quite a bit. They've won eight of their last nine games at home against the 49ers. Uh, these games are always really close, so it wouldn't surprise me if we get a push here in Seattle winning by three. Uh, I probably should be scared off after what happened last week, but I always feel good about uh, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson at home. Uh, you mentioned the running back situation for the 49ers. Uh, no uh, Raheem Mostart, Jeff Wilson, who played really well last week against the New England Patriots, will not be available. They're going to be starting an undrafted rookie free agent in Jamichael Hasty. I think he'll be fine. I just don't know if San Francisco has the guys up front to get after Russell Wilson like we saw last year. Uh, you know, when they had Nick Bosa and they had a healthy D Ford and DeForest Buckner, they could really ch challenge Seattle's offensive line. I don't expect that to be the case here. I expect Seattle to be able to throw all over this 49ers defense and for them to ultimately win this game. All right, Sean, let's wrap up with the Saints being four-point favorites against the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Uh, how are fans and experts betting this one? This is a pretty tempting spread if you think about it because I think plus four seems to be in the sweet spot for the Bears. Um, they're not giving up a lot of points. I think they've given up 26 against Atlanta and that's it. Uh, it's the only time they've given up uh, a, a really big amount of points. And is that big in this, this current season of the NFL? Not really. So um, the, the fans and the experts united behind the Saints, though. 71% in favor of the expert, in, by the experts, 76% by the fans in favor of New Orleans. Um, and if you look at the way that these two teams, again, are made up, it's definitely one of those where you think, actually, this really, really might be one of those where the Saints break out and have a really monster game. I think it's certainly possible. Uh, my fear for the Saints is they just don't have a lot of weapons on offense, right? No Michael Thomas, no Emmanuel Sanders. One of the things that Chicago does really well is they play fantastic defense, and they've got some excellent corners and linebackers and safeties. They're going to challenge Drew Brees to throw the ball down the field in that windy weather would not shock me at all if they intercept Breeze two, three times. Can New Orleans have 10, 12, 15 play drives and score that way on Chicago? I'm not sure. I think Chicago is going to keep this game close. And in fact, I'm picking them to win outright. I think too many people are down on Chicago uh, after what they did on Monday Night Football against a good Rams team. I think they're going to bounce back. I think they're going to win. Uh, this is one of my biggest upsets of the week. I think Chicago is going to get to 6-2 and two on the season after a crazy loss last week. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys weigh in on our debate. Do you think the Steelers are going to go undefeated 
or do you think the Jets are more likely to go defeated and go winless this season? We want to hear, so make sure you guys comment. Let us know which one you think is more likely. Uh, again, I will have content on the game day, two pieces a week. We have a mailbag that comes out on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to be talking about all the trade deadline news, what happens, uh, who are the biggest winners and losers, so make sure you guys check that out. Also, my five biggest gambling trends, that'll come out on Tuesday as well. Make sure you guys check on that before you place any wagers for week nine. Uh, we want to thank Sean for coming in to help us with our picks this week. We'll see you guys next week, and enjoy week eight.